0: Do you believe in something enough to put it all on the line? Stay tuned and find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Come on. Well, that's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. This is the dark horse entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. My name is Tracy Brinkman. Push it up. What is up? What is up? What is up? My dark horse friends and family. Welcome back to your weekly dose of believing in it that much learning. I'm your dark horse host, Tracy Brinkman. And you, well, that my friends is infinitely more important. You, or a driven entrepreneur or businessman or perhaps you're one in the making either way you're here because you're ready to start restart kickstart uh, just start leveling up with some great marketing personal or business tips and results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be man got a big episode today today Jeanette Duchesne is going to share her story of why she gave up A great job, and now is even raising her hand in service to those that would let her step into the treasurer's office. Plus, I'm going to let you in a little bit about our next interview episode's guest, who is a lion amongst sheep. Now, as per usual, the dark horse corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing gold spilling from every corner of the dark horse entrepreneur HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my dark horse friends and family. Tonight's guest is Jeanette. Duchesne. Now, Jeanette is one of those gals that so many of us probably saw and maybe took for granted as we were getting something done at the doctor's office. But I don't want to go too deep here. Right? Jeanette is actually running for the state treasurer here in the state of Wisconsin, the upcoming November 2022 election. If you're listening to this, at the time of the recording. However, we're really probably going to go off on a tangent about medical freedom because Jeanette has been organizing uh, medical freedom protests here across Wisconsin and actually was let go from her medical-based career for refusing to take the jab, right? And Jeanette's even gone so far as pulling her kids from the public school system. I would imagine it has gone into to homeschooling, and she's actually been instrumental in the recall of two school board members. Man, Jeanette, you've been keeping yourself busy. Welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Tracy. Uh, um.
0: I uh, um, I know I probably told a lot of your story already, but certainly there's a lot of uh, details and uh, and little nuggets in there that I, that I did not share. So like I said, like I told you, I, I want to sit here and shut my rambling mouth And I want you to tell your story, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly that has brought you to where you are now and why it is you're doing the things that you're so passionate about.
1: Well, my medical journey career started when I was living in Rhode Island and I actually worked for CVS Caremark and we were a benefit investigator team. Um, So what we did was try to make sure that your insurance would authorize medical prescriptions and we were brought on for a special medication. That was the first oral medication for multiple sclerosis. All letters are injectables. Um, we created our team. We worked with a call center for the insurance side. We also worked with a group of nurses in another state. They underestimated the popularity of the drug, and we became burdened with cases trying to get these mm-hmm. authorized for medications that cost over $5,000 a month. Um, and there was, we had to work with a team of nurses because insurance companies required all of these step therapies and All of these things that you would think that an insurance company should have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a, I made a phone call one weekend to, because we were working overtime. I made a phone call to a gentleman to let him know that his wife's medication was approved. And she had already been off her typical therapy before being able to start this new one. And he said, it's too late. She had a relapse and she was paralyzed from the waist down.
0: Oh my God.
1: For life. And that was, that was the moment in my head where I, I never wanted to have that conversation with another patient again. These insurance companies are just, they think that they have higher degrees than what our medical providers do. Mm -hmm. So I ended up moving back to Wisconsin. I went to school for medical coding and accepted a position with Aurora healthcare in Wisconsin here. Um, I was working as a medical biller. So originally that position was to dispute insurance company denials Handle patient complaints about their medical bills because we've all on the bad end. we've all been on that bad end of receiving the surprise medical bill. Right. That transitioned more into a position where we started assisting the uninsured patients that were coming. So if there was charity assistance, Medicaid applications, marketplace applications, what can we do to help with the funding for those uninsured patients? And a lot of them are undocumented citizens. Mm. And I do have to say that undocumented citizens are some of the hardest working individuals in this country, and they have the most high family value. They had original nuclear family value. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, A lot of America is missing right now. So on top of that, we also did estimates for patients. So we would look into their insurance benefits, call them, let patients know that they're coming in for surgery. This is how much it's going to cost you. How can we financially help you prepare for that? So really pushing the price transparency that Donald Trump had originally tried to post out there. So I did that for eight years, and that came to an end after the vaccine mandate rolled out. I was—I guess I should backtrack a little bit. When COVID came to America, mm-hmm. I was—I was working on-site in the clinic, and I had in, sorry, in a,
0: what in what clinic?
1: The clinic in Two Rivers.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: Yeah. So I had a patient stop in the office who had just returned back from New York City, and this was the same day that the state shut down that the world shut down. Um, he said that his, some of his family members that I traveled with him had gotten sick while in New York mm-hmm. and they were looking for COVID testing. And then I got sick a couple of days later and I never really fully recovered. Mm-hmm. So I still deal with a lot of neurolog- neurological, a lot of cardiovascular issues, you know, your autonomic nervous system that just does not regulate the way it should. Mm-hmm. So I ended up joining a support group on Facebook and realized there's tens of thousands of us out there that are not recovering and nobody was talking about it. So we all teamed together. We did our own patient-led research and ended up getting recognition by the World Health Organization, by the CDC, the FDA. So that was kind of my step into advocacy. Meeting with our local reps virtually and explaining the frustrations that we're having accessing care. Um, Just making people aware of this syndrome because a lot of doctors, they were gaslighting us. Mm-hmm. telling us this is all in our head so that was my real step into advocacy and then the vaccine mandate rolled out and keep in mind I, I work remotely right now because of my medical conditions and a lot of our team or call center is all remote um, we're still required to get the job and none of it really makes sense if we have no patient contact why are we required to be vaccinated I have not been in my office since March of 2020 so once again, the support groups on Facebook rolled out, and Aurora Healthcare had their own Facebook group, and then there were at the local groups and then national. Mm-hmm. And I realized quickly that Aurora had, I think we had about 27, 2,700 people in our group just here in Wisconsin that were against this. We we tried organizing protests across the state. So, I mean, that's where I met you and your family. Right. Well, maybe not to protest. I think I met you at some of our rallies, but you know, just the strong community that was building there. We became a real little family, and so many of us have been let go. But a lot of us just realized what was at stake, and we moved on to bigger, better things. Sure. And a lot of these nurses are now working in factories. And as much as we miss that patient care, because that's a nurse' her heart is set on serving those people. Anybody in healthcare can say that we're finally able to come home and relax and leave work at work. Right. You know, we don't take it home to our families. So it's been a, it's been a pretty big shift and while I was out organizing all the medical rallies and protests. I, again, you know, like I said, we created a small little family and we had sat down for a meeting with some of the local elected officials and potential candidates for, you know, state positions such as Justin Schmidtka mm-hmm. Jonathan Wickman, um,
0: all folks we've had on the show, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Dave um, Bannon he's running for Congress in the Sturgeon Bay Door County area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, so a lot of elected officials, and we discussed running for assembly. Once they heard that I had, I wasn't a nurse; um, I was more on the billing side of this and the accounting piece. They said they needed a state treasurer, and I know that I need. I need to continue that path that I set out for after talking to that first patient whose wife had a relapse and was paralyzed from the waist down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've served my purpose in that role. I think our insurance our insurance field is finally heading in the right direction. It's going to take a lot of work, but there are people there that are fighting that fight and I need to move on it to bigger, better things. Um, so I jumped into the state treasurer race. Um, on top of that, what you mentioned with the school and my kids, um, mm-hmm. in the beginning of the school year, Six days before our school year started, they announced that masks were going to be mandatory for our school district. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I don't see the medical necessity. The studies aren't there proving whether it does or does not work. And these kids are sitting in unair-conditioned classrooms that are eighty degrees with a mask on their face. And if you think about a kid in winter, you know, yeah, minus the air conditioning, a kid in winter has always got snot running down their face. <laughs> their little germ buckets. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're going to mask that and just plaster that to their face all day. So I I asked my kids, it's up to you. What do you want to do? do you, I support you one way or another. My son, he hates school. He doesn't, <laughs> the way that the school district has ran so far with him, you know, he's just turned off by it. So he automatically said, absolutely not. My daughter wanted to do it. So the first day of school, he walked over and she said, mom, I just, I don't want to anymore. And they wouldn't let her in school without a mask. So we did that four days in a row, walked to school, continuously being sent home, denied that you know, access to the education. Um, now we are homeschooling through a public school district um, through Wisconsin. They actually have their own virtual district, which is very nice. Nice. And they are a little more conservative based,
0: which is. Extra nice. It, the, <laughs>
1: yes, exactly.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, where do you go with a story like this? Right. I mean, here you are, you know, just cruising along, doing your thing. Of course, you, you get uh, that. Oh, man, I can't I can't imagine making that phone call and and finding that out from that uh, from that woman who ended up being paralyzed because now, if, as I understood, you were telling the story is because the insurance delayed the the approval of the medication. Correct.
1: And we were so backlogged on
0: cases, man, that's crazy. I, uh, I, my, my experience with the medical billing side is it's aged a bit. Um, but I, uh, I actually did some computer programming for a medical billing facility. So they, you know, they got in and they really focused more on the, um, uh, anesthesiologists but as during my time there as their programmer they they grew their practice to you know absorb more of the the doctors billing and there's so much involved in it and when i was doing it, it was in the 90s so i imagine you know here we are 30 40 I'm dating myself <laughs> years later <laughs> i imagine the complexities are far more varied and uh, I, I know it was it was pretty crazy back then so I, well, I can't imagine the uh, the the inherent ups and downs involved in that.
1: When it comes to the medical coding too, you know it's so complex. A few years ago, I want to say in 2013, the United States switched over to what they call ICD-10. So mm. it's the International Classification of Disease, and those are all your medical billing codes. We went from I believe 13,000 codes up to I believe it's 78,000 codes. Wow. I mean, there are codes in there, any medical coder that you speak with will have a joke. You know, what's, what's the craziest diagnosis code you've ever seen? There's, there's diagnosis codes that include issues with mother-in-law for anxiety. Oh my God. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the crazy. That
1: are in there. It's mm. so complex, but now you have COVID and you have the centers for Medicare and Medicaid and their reimbursement, and they're requiring that COVID be diagnosed and it, you know, if there's a positive case. So they're testing all these patients aren't even exhibiting symptoms. But if it's positive, it's a, if it's a positive COVID test, they get a higher reimbursement.
0: Mm. So yeah. there is, so I want to make sure I heard that right. There's actually, I'm going to use the phrase cash incentives, monetary incentive, may mean, not cash, but certainly monetary incentives for them to record something as a COVID-based disease right or there's covid involved in it
1: correct so i mean if you get in a car accident and you're admitted to the hospital and they test you for covid and you're positive that will be the primary diagnosis on your on your hospital claim. that's crazy
0: you know i and you know it's funny is one of the that's one of those things i saw cruising around the internet as a, a fact and i couldn't I couldn't find a place where I could prove it wrong. So I went with the assumption that it might be right. But finally, having someone that's on the inside saying that, it's like, you're just like, wow. And, and for me, that almost becomes one of the reasons why you hear people going, well why is this thing keep getting perpetuated when it the cases are down and this is down uh, somebody's making money somewhere right mm-hmm. and that's and you just kind of said it there it is right there there's folks making money for these these cases to be pushed
1: yeah and with the vaccine mandate um, when they rolled that out i can't i can't verify this this is another one of those rumor mills Mm -hmm. But two weeks before our vaccine mandate for healthcare rolled out, and all these organizations nationwide did this, the rumor is that Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, CMS, were going to be determining the Medicare reimbursement rates for hospitals based on the vaccination status of their employees. So you wonder where these mandates came from. And I can't fully blame the healthcare system for pushing it. Yeah. Think about the population that go into a healthcare organization. It's going to be your baby boomers. Your baby boomers are on Medicare. You start limiting Medicare reimbursement, it will collapse our entire healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So I can't fully blame it, but it's just another way that the government sticks around to issue out a mandate, such as OSHA. Mm -hmm. So... Now that the ocean mandate's out there, it kind of validates that rumor mill of the CMS
0: reimbursement. Rates yeah, it, uh, it it's kind of like you know they're not able to make the mandate like they they can't mm-hmm. sit on high as the executive branch of their of our government to say you have to have this, but they're pulling all these levers. They mm-hmm. and I mean this in in the broadest sense, uh, the powers that be are pulling these levers that are making. Key businesses, key lines of um, industry want to have their staff vaccinated, right? Because, hey, if, if I have 80% of my staff vaccinated, I get, you know, an extra dollar, whatever, whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the number is, so I can't say. Um, and that that's huge. That's an incentive. And, you know, any good businessman is going to go, well, damn, if I can... If, get extra revenue by just saying you get the jab or you get out. Um, There we go. Now let's, let me go back here for a second. So you refused to get the jab. What is, that's a great phrase. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not really a vaccination. (laughs) I'm cool with that. Um, And and Aurora was saying, or whoever, I'm assuming you were working for Aurora at the time. Yes. Okay. And you just said, no, I'm not getting that. And they fired you. You're now to-, to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. No, um, Go
1: ahead. they so they issued the mandate, and we had deadlines to submit our religious or medical exemptions. Mm-hmm. Um, I did push for a medical exemption because of all the issues that I've had since COVID and natural immunity. You know, right? That un- Go,
0: hey, that's a, that's a whole other podcast right there. Natural immunity. <laughs> <right>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that's one thing that they wouldn't acknowledge, which I wish I could understand why. Um, so and with the vaccine so with the covid long haulers is what we call ourselves the people that haven't fully recovered um, you know we're still in these support groups and in the beginning of the vaccination process they were saying that covid long haulers were seeing an improvement in their symptoms after getting the vaccination that's all you saw in the media but in the social support groups i wasn't seeing that across the board there were people that were relapsing they're having worse symptoms new symptoms staying the same but there were some people that were very very hopeful in seeing some kind of relief from their symptoms that they went and got the vaccination i lost Mm -hmm. five friends in a matter of two months just oh my gosh
0: because
1: it wasn't an improvement so that was where i kind of made my decision that i was not ready for that
0: right yeah, uh, I don't. I, I don't blame you. You, you mentioned earlier that um, in, in these groups that you were you've been a part of, that uh, I think the number was twenty seven hundred. You see, it was like twenty seven hundred uh, people here in Wisconsin. Were those twenty seven hundred Aurora um, staffers? These no,
1: were- would just
0: be Wisconsin based patients. Just okay, base patients. Okay, because I was curious how many. What ratio of the Aurora staff do you think have been let go or walked away as a result of not um, of choosing not to get this um, jab?
1: So I, you know, again, once again, through the rumor mill, Okay, um, but through a pretty valid source, they, I guess, our leadership had met and had determined at that time that 37 percent of the staff was not vaccinated. Wow. Um, which was I believe they the person I heard it from said about 30%. I know it was 37% when they announced the mandate. Mm-hmm. So it kind of validated the information that she was giving me. Sure. I guess our leadership sat down and met and decided that half of their staff would cave and get the vaccine. And they could afford to lose 15% of their staff.
0: Yeah, <sighs> that's crazy. So here's here's another one. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to pick your insider information brain. Mm-hmm. Here's another one of the things I've read in a couple of different places is that when they're saying hey our hospital is um, at capacity they use some sort of phrasing like that like at capacity or I at peak yeah that, that that peak capacity yet when you look at the hospital you can't see like all these people there and what mm-hmm. i understand is it that at capacity means a patient to uh, servicer or a patient to nurse ratio. So as a nurse, I'm allowed to have X number of patients. And when we're at that ratio, we are at capacity. Now, if we have 37% or whatever um, of our staff that refuses to get the jab and either walks away or is released as a result of that, now our capacity has literally dropped by that amount. Is, is, that, is that a correct um, understanding? Yes, that is correct. Wow, that's insane. So they're not lying in the fact that they're saying they're at capacity, but they're m- not telling you the whole story as they're sharing as to why they're at capacity. It's not because the cases have gone insane. It's because they've dropped the number of people they have on staff or will allow to have on staff mm-hmm. because of a mandate, which, as I understand, is really not legal. It's not,
1: but they, they are definitely, the media plays so much into this. Yeah. Um, there was an interview that I had done with a local news station at one of our rallies or Freedom Rallies in Green Bay, and, you know, fair balance news. They had me against the vaccine mandate and then they had an attorney, a physician, and I want to say maybe like a public health person or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really want you to think that this is fully legal. It's fully within your within their rights to do right i mean it's it's a tough it's a tough line to try to interpret yeah i mean we've seen attorneys over this across the state trying to across the country trying to fight back at this including our own federal court Mm -hmm. you know they're going back and forth on this yet the biden administration is pushing forward you know the OSHA is, you know, on, they're put on pause right now before issuing this mandate, but the federal court is reviewing it. I just saw today that they, the federal court has now paused the health care mandate. Um, so for like your nursing homes, your in-home care, they have their own personal mandate as well. Mm-hmm. And now the federal court is pushing back on that, but only in a few states, I think 10 states. So the legalities of this are very complex because it's, a, it's an experimental jab. Right. Only one of them has been approved by the FDA. Rumor has it that those aren't even available in the
0: country. Thank you. That's, that was one of the points I was, going, that I was thinking of because there was two versions out there. There was a Moderna and a Pfizer version. And then all of a sudden they come out saying, hey, Pfizer has approval. Okay, well, that's cool. But that's not the Pfizer version that's out there in the market yet. They got approval for a version they hadn't even mass produced yet. Is that, I mean, that was my understanding.
1: That's also mine. I don't
0: know if that's
1: accurate
0: or not. Um, right. I'm definitely not going to get it either way, but. <laughs> right, right. No, I, yeah. I feel you on that one. I was like, well, yeah, that, that's insane. Had, you're right. There's so many complexities of this going on, and, and it gets so hard to find facts, right? Yes. Because the normal sources you would go to to find facts. Some of them are a part of the mill, right? Mm-hmm. Some, you know, if you go to Aurora site, they're going to give you their version of the facts.
1: Okay, you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. Yeah, it's it's you go to
0: CDC, you get that version of the facts, and uh, it's just—it's really tough. I don't know. Being
1: being part of that COVID long hauler group, um, we've worked with researchers across the globe. We work with doctors, and the crazy thing that comes to my mind is why are we not focusing on? Early therapeutics, why are we not focusing on treatment? We're dedicating so much time and energy into promoting this vaccine that doesn't even prevent COVID. Yeah. It only prevents severe disease, so they say, but those numbers are constantly increasing as well. Yeah. Why are we testing asymptomatic people so we can keep our numbers high? I mean, it's, it's hard to not make this political when you see all the behind the scenes. And when it comes to the doctors that are promoting the treatment and they have success and they have successful studies and you see that research reversed and their peer-reviewed studies are removed from the internet and they're being they're being banned on Facebook, they're being banned on Twitter, they're ban, being banned on Instagram, that says something to me and there's something seriously yeah. wrong there.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something going on, especially when you get, I'll use the phrase real science, Yeah, it says that that goes up 180 degrees different from the, the science agenda, right. The rhetoric that we're hearing, I don't even want to call it science because so much of what I hear, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't get what you're saying. What you're saying makes no sense whatsoever. You but know,
1: it seems like they're I don't, like, I, like you said, I don't want to call it an agenda because I don't think everybody, you know, necessarily on the left or even on the right
2: mm-hmm.
1: is out to demonize every, you know, these people that push against this, but I mean, I've been called a domestic terrorist three times this year
2: mm.
1: you know, for being against the school boards, for being against the mask mandates, for being against pro- COVID protocols, but there are people that are defying science. I mean, they say follow the science, but they do everything opposite and it's right. bigger than COVID. I mean, if you look at, I don't want to target the left, but if you look at the left agenda, the The extremists on the left, the radicals. Exactly. They defy science. I mean, if you look at abortion, if you look at COVID protocols, if you look at genders, you know, we got all these kids in schools that, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. We're going to use the same bathrooms. I mean, small little suburbs are having these these bathroom rules, you know, at school. It's just, it's It's, crazy. If you follow the science, science is science. It's there to be questioned.
0: There it is. Uh, there it is. Bam. Science is science. End of story right there. Okay. So like I told you, I see, I told you we would go down some rabbit hole here, right? Sure. Which, which is awesome. Which is awesome. All right. So now you'll have decided you, you know, you were, you were doing all your advocacy. You felt like you, Hey, all right. Now I, I think I've kind of served my purpose here. I want to step into this state treasurer's race is there a particular reason why you picked the state treasurer or is it something like, all right, I feel like aligned with this. Talk to me about that.
1: Well, politics is a little dirty. Um, so I picked <laughs> the state treasurer just because it was an open position that somebody wasn't already running for. Mm. So you don't want to run for a position that a qualified candidate's already going for because we don't want to flood the system. Sure. Um, the state treasurer position was available. It's something that I would have experience in. And I firmly believe in our constitution and it's an original constitutional office according to the Wisconsin constitution. Mm-hmm. So to preserve our constitution and serve in a role that is an original constitutional office would be following my own personal values, but I really want to represent the people. Uh, to be completely honest, I feel like I'm a little too vocal for a position, but I can still use that platform to be able to advocate for the people, you sure. know, for the people. 100%. So that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. I want to re re instill, you know, restore that position. So that position has been completely gutted. I made a joke at one of my most recent campaign stops. Anybody here able to sign a check? Congratulations. You are qualified to be the next Wisconsin state treasurer. <laughs> that office has nothing left to it. So I really want to run on the idea of restoring that position I know previous candidates have run on the idea of eliminating it, and that's—I mm. don't think mm. that's
0: something that we should that we should pursue ever. Yeah, well, it's kind of like it's kind of like the story that what's going on with the um, yeah Secretary of State that Justin yes. Smitska is running for. That office has become like pretty much like you were saying, you know, it's just it's just this rubber stamp here, ka chunka ka ka yeah. and all the all the. Real authority that used to sit in those desks, much like the state treasurer, has been farmed out to these coalitions and groups and Mm -hmm. subcommittees. And so the whole architecture of the state's legislative branch and judicial branch is being parsed out. And, And the result of that, if no one knows, man, hopefully I'm saying this right, and correct me if I'm wrong, is there results in no accountability Yes, because Because you as the state treasurer, if you don't pull those responsibilities back to that desk where you're responsible, if something Mm -hmm. flubs up or, Hey, if something goes, well, you can say, yeah, I did that. Now it's to this party over here. Let's say it's some, you know, external group. Well, that, that group, they sucked at it. So we're going to fire them and we're going to hire these people over here, which are probably just another group of cronies they're going to do yes. the exact same thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So part of the Wisconsin state treasurer position is to be, to be like the state's chief financial officer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, like you said, should have some accountability when it comes to that. So to be a watchdog over the state's funds, you know, that was my favorite part of the job working in healthcare and medical billing. I would audit every single account I went into. I knew what right place to look for. And it was, I don't want to say it was like a game, but it was always a challenge to make sure that a patient never overpaid.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think it's a quality that could definitely make that state treasurer role more accountable,
2: mm-hmm.
1: more trustworthy, because there's not many people that trust our government anymore. You know, so I want to bring back some of those values too, that you have somebody that's looking for your best interest. 100%. 100%. Say,
0: This is why we had to have you on, Jeanette, so that uh, we could share this message with other folks that uh, might be here in Wisconsin that want to check out, uh, you know, the next group of folks. I know, I think one of the biggest hmm, failings, and and I'm going to raise my hand on this, too, and maybe you, I I know me and my wife both had this discussion where, you know, we rode on cruise control when it came to um, our elected officials, right? You know, we go through our twenties and our Mm thirties and we go and we, we voted the R or the D or the I that we felt aligned with us the most. And then that's it. We expected them to do their damn job. And as a result of that, some of the folks that are, you say like, there's only a couple that you really trust. Uh, I don't even know if there's a couple, maybe there's one, right? Have these folks have gone in there and they've just gone hog wild. They've, you know, Taken all the responsibilities away from desks like the the one you're running for, and have farmed it out, and you know they it's become this pay to play scenario uh, where folks get to, you know hey if you raise the money we'll make sure you get elected, and that comes up with the next thing it's is selected not elected, yes. you know where now the the two key parties. Start saying, okay, well, I think we're coming up on November. I think we need Joe to be the next treasurer, right? And they start throwing all that money at it and making them look good. And you're going, well, yeah, mm-hmm. well, Joe's a good Republican or Joe's That's a good Democrat. Yeah. So you go out there and you vote for him. In the meantime, mm-hmm. you know, he's just he's just running the party line and following the rest of the crowd versus what the people want. And you, Hey, the Constitution starts with we, the people, not we, the Republicans, or we, the Democrats, or we, the politicians. It's we, the people. Mm -hmm. And and like
1: that delegate process and the delegates don't necessarily represent the millions of voters in Wisconsin. Yes. So it, unfortunately, it is, it is about the money, who has the most money to run a campaign and get their name out there, or who has the most time and dedication to do it. And that's the hard part. I mean, it's, it's extremely hard between August and October. I put 10,000 miles on my vehicle.
0: Oh man. I can only imagine. And that's just, and that's, you're just running for a state. You're not Mm -hmm. even running for something in the country. You're just saying, Hey, I'm here in Wisconsin.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's great that we have virtual programs like podcasts, like what you're doing. You're able to help us get our voices out there. And that, that's something that, priceless to these candidates i really appreciate oh hey you you know
0: i definitely if you ring with me i come on aboard let's get your voice out there and i know uh you and david king and Justin smitka and uh jonathan wickman have just rung true with me as a person so it's my pleasure to bring you aboard Uh, So let's, let's, I I, I want to be mindful of your time. I know it's late. You got, you got munchkins in the house.
1: (laughs) I do. I do. Awesome. I have to get to work tonight because I'm not
0: a bartender. Oh my goodness. So if folks want to check out more about Jeanette Duchesne and everything Mm -hmm. she's got going on, you know, for treasure or anything else, maybe they want to help you with an upcoming rally or something. Where do we want to send them to?
1: If you go onto Facebook. You Mm -hmm. can find me, if you type in Jeanette, and then 4-W-I-F-O-R-W-I, it'll lead you to my campaign page. Otherwise, jeanette for wisconsin or Jeanette4Wi.com. Okay. So there's always more information there. We also started doing the Women of Badger State. So the Badger State Resistance Podcast airs Monday through Thursday, and we now have the Women of Badger State, which will now air on Sundays.
0: Women? Of Badger State. Is that a podcast? Women of Badger State podcast?
1: That is a new podcast. We just rolled that out last Sunday.
0: Okay. I'm definitely going to make sure I link that up so people can go check that out. All right. Any final words of wisdom you want to leave for our listeners tonight, Jeanette? I just want to encourage any listeners
1: to follow your heart. Follow your heart. If you think that you can make a change, you can definitely do it. You just have to connect with the right people and things things will happen. Magic is available. You just got to take
0: it. I feel you on that. Here we are looking at you, one lady out there grinding away with kids. Hello. With kids.
1: Oh, they with me to my events.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've (laughs) met them a couple of times. They're adorable. Yes, you have. (laughs) Jeanette, thanks so much for hanging out with us, and I definitely appreciate you.
1: Yeah, thank you, Tracy, for having me on. I hope to see you again soon.
0: Oh, you know you will. (laughs) Talk to you soon. Bye,
1: Tracy.
0: Bye-bye. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, there you have it, Jeanette Duchesne dropping some die on the hill bombs, which is the one thought I want to leave for you today. Yep. Thought number one, are you willing to die on the hill? Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, it alludes to a military practice of capturing and holding a hill, AKA the high ground, no matter the cost. And here's another key no matter the lack of benefit. So let me ask you that again. Are you willing to die on that hill? Here's the thing for me. So many of us, we have our opinions, our beliefs, even our convictions inside our business, as well as outside in other parts of our life. And God love you for having them 100%. But are you willing to die on the hill for those things that you hold? most dear. I'm not, I, here's I, here's the thing for me. I do not even care what the topic that you hold most passionate on uh, close to your heart or close to your soul. If you're not willing to got to just give up all the luxuries and trappings of your life in order to die on the hill for the achievement of that goal, then perhaps you need to evaluate what it is that you hold most dear. Now, Jeanette, she clearly is willing to die on the hill for her beliefs. Sadly, she was pushed to the point where she had to make a decision. And make a decision she did, right? She she didn't dilly dally, man. She made that puppy, right? She made the decision to keep her kids safe from what she felt as their mother and primary caregiver was harmful to them. She made the decision to put herself out of a cur that was looking to make her do things that she felt was wrong and going to do harm to her in one form or another. She took the hill. Not only is she standing tall and proud in order to defend her position on that hill, to defend herself, her children, and all the others that have taken up a position along, uh, alongside her in her fight for freedom, The freedom to speak her peace as is her God-given right. Let me say that again. The freedom to speak her peace as is her God-given right, which is reinforced by the constitution of the very nation that we reside in. And I say we as in her and I, and hoping that you live here too. The freedom to choose what she feels is the best course for the health of herself and her children. But she's even taken that one step further and she's raised her hand to help you protect your freedoms by committing to serve as the treasurer of the great state of Wisconsin should you live in your Wisconsin and if not hopefully there's someone with this kind of conviction in your state raising their hand now that you've heard Jeanette's story in the action she is taking as a result let me ask you one more time Are you willing to die on that hill for what it is that you believe in? Hmm? All right, my dark horse friends and family. What inspiring ideas, tips, or thoughts resonated with you today? Whatever they were, take some time today and write them down. Then get out there and put them into action. Yep, yeah. Go out there, run your race, get your results, and let me hear about them. You, that's right, tracy at DarkHorseSchooling.com. I give out my email because I want to hear what it is you got out of this, what it is you did with it, and what it is you got as a result. Share the tips or ideas that you came away with, how you put them into action, and what results you gained from them. Heck, probably even bring you on the show and let you share your story. Now, and let me tell you about our next interview episode guest, Dr. David King. Now, Dr. King is the owner of KBS, which is Kingdom Business Solutions. Also, new look on life, as well as being the president of the Milwaukee chapter of the Full Gospel Businessman Fellowship International. You're going to want to hear Dr. King's thoughts on business, politics, and being a lion among sheep. Now I I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and inspirational stories from the folks I'm lucky enough to bring on here. So please go on down there, hit that subscribe button. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and drop us a quick review. I read every single one of those reviews. Give us some constructive criticism. Ask some questions. Again, I read them all, so I will definitely get back to you with the answers. And of course, do not keep all this entrepreneurial, G-O-L-D, all to yourself. Share the podcast with other entrepreneurs and businessmen, business owners, right? That you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do: think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. And you know this. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.